Hello, and welcome to this episode of Exploring Faith, the new podcast series from the Salvation Army in Morley. This week, Captain Richard Weston talks around the theme of Just Be. You might find it useful this week to listen to the Morley Isolation playlist on Spotify. Richard focuses on the words of the song by Kim Walker-Smith, Just Be. If you want to hear more from us, all of our services are broadcast live at 10.15 every Sunday morning on Facebook and YouTube. Just search Morley Salvation Army. I'm an armchair fan of Formula One. Formula One teams are developing all the time to make their car the fastest, to have the cutting edge. A combination of a good driver and a good car can get the all-important advantage and make that extra one-thousandth of a second, which can be the difference between winning and losing. Every year there is a development in Formula One to get faster and faster. As I myself advance in years, life also seems to get faster and faster. Do you agree? Even this year, with all its disruption, with all its chaos, it seems to be flying by. Next weekend, we're into August. How has that happened? This non-stop 24-7 culture that we have developed in recent decades can be a dangerous place to be. In the busyness of life, in the fast-paced life that we lead, where or where do we find the time to develop our relationship with God and our relationship with others? How can we deepen our relationship with God? How can we deepen our love for Jesus? How can we be open to the prompting of the Holy Spirit in our lives without taking time out from life to read our Bibles or to pray or to even to stop, to pause, to reflect? and listen, to discern from our Heavenly Father what it is that our life truly exists for. In John 10, verse 10, Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Yet, do we look elsewhere for fullness of life? So here we are at about uh, just before 10 past 11 on the 26th of July 2020. It's day 124, I believe, since the Prime Minister at the end of March put us into lockdown. It's week 19, I think, of our online worship. How are you doing? How are you doing? Or maybe that question should be, how are you being? Doing suggests that we should be on the go, we should be busy, we should be moving from one thing to the next, always got something that needs achieving, a deadline to hit, a target to meet, a full diary. Being, for me, suggests availability, time, space. To me, it suggests even compassion, The word, to me, even seems to create a slower pace, some space, this sense of being rather than doing. Rick Warren, in his book, Purpose Driven Life, reminds us that we are human beings, not human doings. Others have added to that phrase, 
So stop doing and just be. The world is a doing world. There is a lot of doing at the moment to rescue the economy. Completely understandable. Livelihoods are at stake. I get that. But before COVID-19, the world was doing and was so quick to move from one thing to the next. I wonder how many of us have discovered, rediscovered the gift of family mealtimes together in recent months. The beauty of that, the gift of spending time together over a meal, sharing together, being together. That's obviously not possible for those that live alone, I understand that. But have you discovered the gift of making that phone call, maybe FaceTiming, having the time to write to others, to send cards to others. I'll remind you of some familiar verses from Romans 12, verse 2, from the message paraphrase. Do not become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. I ask you, I ask you, have we, as the church, have we, as Christ's disciples, become like the world? Have we fitted into that culture without even thinking? Has the church been moulded by the world? Has the Salvation Army, has Morley Corps, not intentionally, but have we been swept away by the culture around us? Have we been so fixated on doing that we've measured our success in terms of the world and its values instead of kingdom values? A school teacher of mine, and, of mine, and some of you will find this absolutely unbelievable that a school teacher of mine said this about me, but apparently in one of the parents' evenings to my parents, I was described as a haven of peace in a sea of chaos. I know, it doesn't seem possible. I was described as a haven of peace in a sea of chaos. I wonder if there's something in that for us in these days to become a, a haven of peace in a sea of chaos. Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of Jesus' words in Matthew 11 say, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. We read earlier from Luke the story of Jesus' visit to Mary and Martha. Jesus enters the village and Martha opened her home to him. People like this are great, aren't they? They have the gift of hospitality and their home is always a busy one with people passing through. They work hard to make sure everything is just right. I'm not sure if Martha knew Jesus was coming, but after he arrived, we read in verse 40 that Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. 
I guess because that was the worldly expectation, the peer pressure, the right thing to do. It's clear, though, through Martha's reaction in the following verses, that she is really not happy with her sister. I imagine that nowadays, if, if Martha were in a modern home, there would be crashing and banging coming from the kitchen as Martha prepares the meal for Jesus. Martha is preparing on her own and clearly feels hard done by, as Mary is, shall we say, just listening to Jesus. Finally, Martha's had enough. And again, in my imagination of this modern-day setting, the door to the lounge flings open. Martha storms in and says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, busy, busy Martha, who had just opened her home, at what we presume is short notice to Jesus, when he came to the village, appears to be extremely tired from all that she is doing to prepare for Jesus. She is so tired that she lets the Lord know how she feels about him. Lord, don't you care? In other words, are you not bothered that I'm doing all this work on my own? Tell her to help. The Lord said, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things but few things are needed, or indeed only one. While all this had been going on, Mary had been sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. That's it. Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening and learning from the Master. She sat. She stopped. She listened. I was interested to read this, that Martha was busy preparing to look after Jesus. Mary was also looking after Jesus, the guest in the house. But Martha was in the mindset of what I can do for Jesus. And Mary was in the mindset of what Jesus can do for me. Mary was seeking to listen to Jesus, to be drawn deeper into a deeper relationship with him. To discover, to discover what she was to be. Do we sometimes get into the mindset of what I can do for Jesus without receiving from him and discovering what he can do for us? He came so that we could have life in all its fullness. He came as a gift to humankind long before he sent us out to do his work. We have to keep coming back to him time and time again. Come back to the one who gives us his life to the full because we simply can't have life in all its fullness without him, away from him, doing our own thing. You see, there was nothing really wrong with what Martha was doing. And Martha was serving the Lord. But Martha was distracted by all that she felt needed to be done. She had lost her focus and it was her service for Jesus that of all things distracted her from Jesus. Charles Spurgeon comments, her fault was not that she served. The condition of a servant well becomes every Christian. Her fault was that she became hampered with much serving so that she forgot him and only remembered the service. Martha's ministry was keeping her from Jesus. 
It's easy to become distracted, even when we are serving the Lord, but distraction often gives way to self-pity. The more Martha thought about all the things that had to be done, the more overwhelmed she became. The kitchen she was working in, she was working so hard in that kitchen, and she started to feel sorry for herself. Graham Rykin says, We know this feeling, because like Martha, we start sulking whenever we feel we are the ones doing all the work. We think more and more about how hard we are working. Little by little, our feeling of self-pity takes over. Soon we have stopped serving Jesus. We start serving ourselves and thinking only about what our ministry is or is not doing for us. We forget what we are about. I'm not a great film buff or a film watcher, mainly because I can't stay awake long enough to get through the whole of the film. My level of film watching is normally those cosy Christmas uh, films that come on. Some of you will be familiar with the Christmas series uh, Nativity films. And in Nativity 3, one of the films I can remember, there is a scene where a teacher called Mr Shepherd is trying to get the donkey from the Nativity off the school grounds. And he gets kicked in the head by the donkey. This caused Mr Shepherd to forget who he was. He lost his identity. He forgot who he was. I wonder, could we be guilty of this? That sometimes in our service, in our busyness, in our programme, we are so busy serving that we forget we are serving Jesus. We forget that we're in the business of saving souls, of growing saints, of serving suffering humanity. I want you to think for a moment, just where you are, just where you are. Think for a moment of the things that you're involved in within this core, within a core that you may be tuning in from this morning, or a church that you may be tuning in from this morning. All of the things that you're involved in, are those things truly always Christ-centred? unashamedly, undeniably, first and foremost for him. And before you answer that question in your own hearts and minds or have a discussion with those in the room that you're with at the moment, don't just give it lip service, but actually consider what it would look like if it were not Christ-centred. How would it be different? That's a challenging, challenging question, you know. We nod our heads in agreement when we get together and we listen to things like this, that we serve Christ. But I ask you this morning, if what we do was not Christ-centred, how different would it be? How is what we do here or in other places any different to any other organisation that serves people? Is it Christ-centred? Truly him first? Is it? Sometimes I think we can be a little bit like Mr Shepherd and the bang on the head from the donkey. and We've forgotten our identity. We don't recognise those around us. We're going it alone. We don't know why we're doing what we're doing. The reasons, the purpose and for whom we are doing it. As Martha's ministry was keeping her away from Jesus sometimes, I think there is a case to state that that can happen in our ministry too. 
I think the Salvation Army almost could be called and accused of being the Martha Army. We do serve God and we are certainly are very good at being doers. But when do we just sit and listen to God, study his word, pray together? Even now, I guess, somebody watching this somewhere is distracted, has drifted away, thinking about something else, thinking about what needs doing, what needs preparing, what needs organising, what is happening later in the day. Is your ministry keeping you away from Jesus? Jesus said to Martha, as recorded in the New English Bible, you are fretting and fussing about so many things. And he says to us, you are fretting and fussing about so many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. I wonder what difference we would see if we were being what we are supposed to be, rather than doing what we do. I wonder in these days if that is something we can discover, we can rediscover from God. Is that what God wants us to understand in these days? Does he need us to reimagine all that we do to be what we are supposed to be, rather than doing what we do? Over the years, we've been very good at having programs to look at how we do things differently and how we can reach out to those in our communities and those, and those programs have apparent limited success. And then we move on to the next thing that is going to bring what we wish to see in our cause and centres. Yet I do wonder, do we even know what we're supposed to be? Yes, we are God's people. Yes, we are adapted into his family. Yes, we seek the least, the lost and the lonely. Yes, as a Salvation Army officer, I make the salvation of souls the first purpose of my life. But what are we as people to be as we live in Christ? You might get the sense that I'm thinking this through in these days. And I have a sense that God is saying to me, imagine the impact of a group of people who were being what they are supposed to be. I don't even think I'm completely sure what that means just at the moment, but I'm sensing an excitement within me in these days that I want to find out. No matter what that cost is, I really want to see what God really wants us to be even before we set foot back in this building together. Anybody with me on that? Is there an amen? Is there an emoji hitting the screen? Imagine being released from what we are now to what God wants us to be. We've sung about revival in recent days at Pentecost. What is God saying? Imagine being a Mary, sitting at Jesus' feet, watching him, hearing from him, learning from him with no distractions, and then being the person that God wants you and wants me to be truly wiping the slate clean and reimagining what we are called to be in 2020, released to be what God wants you and wants me to be. Are you up for that? Do you want to be part of that? Let's hear it. Let's see an amen. Let's see an emoji. Praise God. Jesus said, Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. My experience says that when we say yes to what God is saying to us, he makes it possible. He breaks the barriers down that may be in the way 
allowing you and me to be what we're supposed to be. The first step to that, of course, is the yes of our lives. I want to be what you want me to be, not what others want me to be, not what others expect me to be, not what our movement thinks we should be, but what God wants me and you to be. What a difference, what an impact, if that were to be realised in this town. As we reflect on this this morning, we listen to a song that I know Sarah used last Sunday. God has placed on my heart for today before last Sunday. What's God saying to you? Is he saying, just be? Imagine the impact of a group of people who are being what they are supposed to be. Why not give your yes to God and let's seriously look at what that means because everything else can wait. I've come to see your face. Everything can wait. I'm here for you. Just be here at your feet here on my knees, here in your presence I am complete. Jesus, you're all that I need. As we listen to this beautiful song, sit at Jesus' feet, listen to him and respond this morning.